turn to the Old Testament prophet of Jonah. Jonah, in those uh, short prophetic books that end up your Old Testament, so toward the end of your Old Testament, find the prophet Jonah right after Obadiah. Now you remember ever since you were a child in Sunday school hearing the story of Jonah and the whale. And the Lord told him to go preach to Nineveh, and he didn't want to, so he ran away. And the great lesson that I often heard when this lesson was taught was that you can't run from God. You know what? That's a great lesson. You know what we do many times in many facets of our life? There is something wrong, and we don't know how to deal with it or don't want to deal with it, and so we just go hide from it. Sometimes that's true at work. Sometimes that's true in our Finances, sometimes that's true in our marriage, sometimes that's true with the kids, sometimes that's true with some neighbors. They're just a problem that we need to just go ahead and deal with, and we just hide from it. But the main top number one problem that we hide from that'll wreck our lives, and don't get me wrong, it'll wreck your life in a lot of these areas, but especially when God needs to deal with you about something and you run and hide from it. That's number one. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lord got Jonah back. <laughs> Let me tell you what the Lord is going to do. He's going to get you back. Right. God's justice grinds slow, it's true, but it grinds exceeding fine. Yes, amen. In the end, he wins. <laughs> and how you fight with him decides on whether in the end you'll win or you'll lose. If you fight with God, I already looked at the back of the book. Let me tell you, you lose. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woe unto him that striveth with his maker, the Bible says. So the Lord gets him back, and sure enough, he goes preaching to Nineveh, and one of the great revivals of all history happens. I had that talk to me many times growing up. But very rarely did anybody mention chapter 4, where Jonah gets mad at God. So we're going to study Jonah here today, and I'm going to call this Jonah the patriotic prophet. This place he was going to preach had hated his country and had oppressed his country, and we would basically call him a terrorist nation. did very brutal things if you read the history of it. And the Lord told him to go preach to him. And he knew that he had power with God and what he said happened. And if there was one group he didn't want to help, it was Nineveh. And so he was all patriotic. He was true to his country. Now, you know how I feel about the United States of America. I claim it for us Bible-believing Baptists. Without the influence of the Baptists, America wouldn't even look similar to what it turned out to be. Amen. Amen. I love this country. However, we are reaching a point that we're going to have to choose sides between God and America because America's going a different direction. Amen. Whose side are you on? All right, Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going 
to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Now, not in every case, but in some cases, the problem with the big storm in your life is that something needed to be dealt with with God, and you went and hid, and God sent a big storm to where you'd have to face it. Amen. Amen. That's how you mean. <laughs> Amen. Verse 5, Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Isn't that interesting? How these people who were not of Israel and did not have the true God knew that this was something that was sent from the Lord. You know, a lot of times lost people know the Lord is dealing with them. If you were in the adult Sunday school class, Dad was telling about when he got saved and somebody recommended a book to him to read, and he wasn't going to go buy some religious book, but as they were cleaning the place out, there that book was on the bench. You know what Dad's testimony was? Well, I guess I should read it then. The obvious implication meaning God must have put this thing here because the guy told me to read it. I ain't going to go buy it and it just shows up on a bench at my work and he read it and got saved. And his life has been different ever since. Lost people know these things. Yes, Many sure a time I've been talking to lost people <clears throat> and they said, yep, something happened and they knew the Lord was dealing with them. Lost people admit that. Sometimes we save people get so used to telling God no and putting him on the back burner and not paying any attention to what he's saying or disregarding what he's saying that we are asleep to it and the lost people are more awake to it than us. Yeah. And it should never be that way. Amen. But you can establish habits that take a surprising hold in your life, Christian. Verse 7, And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Here are the lost, don't know God, and they're afraid. And here's Jonah who knows God and is about to go through the trial of his life for being stupid. And he's not even worried about it. He's asleep. Be careful, Christian. You'll put God on the back burner until you don't even know what you're in for. Amen. He'll just slap you upside the head one day, and you'll have to admit, you know, I was just letting some stuff go that I should have been dealing with. All right, uh, chapter 2. Oh, I'm sorry, let's get verse 15. So they took up, uh, chapter 1. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. 
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now when the Lord Jesus tells this in the New Testament, of course, he tells that it was a whale. Mm -hmm. And as you know, the classification that they had in those days, a whale was a great fish. Right. It's not an error. That's what they called it. Amen. Amen. They, didn't, they wouldn't have called it a mammal. All right, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. Well, let's get verse 1 just to get the sentence here. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now, Christian, when you've ignored the Lord and he ends up having you swallowed in the whale's belly... <laughs> Just go ahead and go to him and deal with what you should have dealt with ahead of time. Yes. Don't put it off and say, well, it's too late now. I've already made my choice. <laughs> no, make things right. It's yeah. a way for things to turn out the best they're going to. Verse 7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. So he got in that fish's belly and all of a sudden he got wanting to go to the Lord. The Lord was chasing him in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he's chasing the Lord. Oh, Lord, get yeah. me out of this. <laughs> and we've all been there. Lord, oh, if you'll yeah. get me out of this, I won't do that no more. <laughs> all right, let's see. Uh, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and ashes. For sake of time, I'm not going to go into it, but when the Lord told that King Jeroboam was going to be saved from attacks from another country, this same Jonah said that it was the one that the Lord used to prophesy that, and it came true. And then when Jonah speaks up for the Lord in chapter 1, a bunch of ungodly sailors believe God and make vows. Right. And when he goes to Nineveh, an out-and-out -out terrorist capital city, he preaches the word of the Lord and they all repent. Amen. Jonah had power with God. Don't think that just because you're a King James Bible-believing Baptist and have power with God that you can't Get mad at him and rebel against him. Amen. There's a couple of things I'm going to be preaching this sermon right now. Just to be honest with you, it makes me a little mad at him. <laughs> but don't let your anger at him make you rebel against him. Amen. All right, chapter 4. The whole city repents and everything and the Bible says in Jonah 4 verse 1 but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry and he prayed unto the Lord and said I pray thee O Lord was not this my saying when I was yet in my country therefore 
I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Here's the problem. Jonah knew it would work. Verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Even in rebellion against God and mad at God, it was God that put a gourd up to give him some relief from his grief. Next time you're mad at something God allowed to happen, remember he's the one giving you your breath and your yes, food and yeah. your drink and your oh, yeah. everything that comforts yeah. you. Verse 7, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smoked the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. When you're at a place in anger where you're justifying that much anger, you are out of the will of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. There have been times that I was right and I had my logic on my side and I had my Bible verses on my side but I was angry. And I was justifying my anger and it did not turn out good. And it never will. So let's talk about Jonah, the patriotic prophet. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you give us wisdom and give us direction, Lord, as we preach these things. And I pray, Lord, that some Bible-believing Baptists would learn some lessons Lord, that we'd be more effective witness for you, but especially that we'd be in better fellowship with you and learn what not to do and a few things to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, now Jonah's name means dove. Uh, he is the son of Amittai, which means truth. He is to go to the capital city of Nineveh, which is the capital of the terrible nation of Assyria. It's unusually large, at least 48 miles around it. And the wickedness of this city had come up to God, and he said, you go cry against it. He didn't say, you go tell them, oh, there's a bomb in Gilead. Oh, let us put our God's loving arms around you. He said, you go tell them, you sorry things, you got 40 days, and you're dead. That's right. And that's what got them saved. That's right. Amen. Don't ever sit and think about the message of God. Well, this isn't loving enough. Sometimes the meanest, harshest thing is exactly what they need. That's right. But then don't think, well, I don't want to give them any comfort. I don't want to be mean and harsh because that's what they deserve. If the Lord tells you to preach mercy, you preach mercy. If the Lord tells you to preach meanness, you preach meanness. The Lord Jesus Christ did plenty of both. Just go back and read the Gospels and see how he talked to some people and how he talked to others, and he got downright on Amen. some of his own apostles. Boy, how did he talk to Peter? Called him the devil. Amen. Right. Boy, how he talked to the scribes and Pharisees. But boy, how he talked to that poor uh, Syrophoenician woman. 
I mean, called her a dog, man. I mean, he <laughs> railed up. Read it. I'm not making this up. Read the Gospels and see how Jesus talked to people. Amen. But then he also said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give, I'll give you rest. He said lots of mean stuff, and he said lots of sweet stuff. If you've come uh, to a Bible-believing Baptist church to hear all sweet and comfort and love, you'll get some of that. Some, some of it will just absolutely blast your hide. And you need more also. <laughs> you know where we get that? The Word of God. That's how it talks to me. There are times the Lord has seen me when I didn't deserve anything but a beating and just hugged me and loved on me. And there's been times when I was doing my best and He beat me some more. Amen. <laughs> Listen, I can't sit here and predict to you how the Lord's going to deal with you. I'll tell you it'll be right, but you will not always like it. It'll be fairly often you won't like it. Some of my best Bible-believing Baptist friends have got an edge on them. Bless their hearts. I could... Sometimes it's hard to even be around them. <laughs> and I'm sure they feel the same way about me. I know they do. They told me. <laughs> but listen, when you've got some convictions... You can't always get along with everybody. That's true. And Jonah's a good example of that. He had the power of God all over him. When he said something, it happened. And yet he had some meanness to him, even against God, didn't he? Now Jonah's that prophet of Galilee like Christ. He was asleep in a boat like Christ. He was three days and three nights in the whale like Christ was in the grave. He was the prophet to the Gentiles like Christ. Jonah's great, man. I mean, his... His credentials are unquestioned. So let's look at him here. The, the outline I'm going to use, I can't even get into all that ways you can outline Jonah. But the one I'm going to use is uh, the rebel in the storm, the penitent in the sea, the preacher in the service, and the pupil in the school. That's the one I'm going to use, but there's a thousand ways you can outline it. I don't have time to get into that today. All right, let's look at the rebel in the storm. The first thing I want to notice is he was guilty of deliberate disobedience. Uh, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3 the Bible says that Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord told him to go to Nineveh. He ran away to Tarshish. Now here's the sin of the knowledgeable saint. You Christians here that know your Bible, you're saved, you got a fellowship with the Lord, you have only one kind of sin you can almost ever do. And that's deliberate disobedience. Because you know better on most everything. Amen. There's very few things you don't know. So the only one left for you is deliberate, knowing, yeah. with malice of forethought, <laughs> disobeying God. And there's a special guilt to that one. Yeah. You know better and do it anyway. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm, Amen. With you. <laughs> I'm right there. What a terrible thing. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. I mean, he just absolutely deposed Saul over disobeying him. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Now, I know there's some dispensational differences in the book of Hebrews, and I know the application of that, but let me say this. When you knowingly disobey God, you can get ready for some punishment. Yeah. <laughs> that general message is true, even though we don't fall into some of the dispensational things in the book of Hebrews. Deliberate disobedience. Now, it doesn't seem fair. You're going to be living around some neighbors, and they're going to do some worse stuff than you, and you're going to get punishment from God worse from them, worse than them because they know better. Some of you young people, there's going to be some friends around you, and they're going to be doing some dirty stuff that uh, they don't really know any better than, but you do, because you've had teaching, and God's going to hold you to a higher standard than that. That's right. That's true of young people. That's true of middle-aged people. That's true of older people. You and I have had some teaching on honesty, and when we cheat a little bit, we're going to get it worse than the people who never really have had the teaching. Amen. It's just the facts of it. Deliberate disobedience and fleeing God's presence. Listen, if there's anything in this world you need, it's the presence of God. Amen. Even if you don't have you know, all the good teaching that some good Bible-believing churches and, and, and uh, pastors and teachers and maybe in some cases colleges can give you even if you have all that, you need the presence of God. And if you don't have that, you'll be surprised how the presence of God will get you through even when you don't really know what you're doing. Can most of us not tell that even when we were lost, we can see the Lord kind of leading us to Him? Can most of us not tell that when we were babies in Christ, we can see the Lord leading when we were, we didn't know which direction to go? You know, what, you know what saved us? The presence of the Lord. That's what did it. And that's the very thing he's fleeing. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When you really love somebody, you know what you want to do? You want to look at their face and talk to them. Yes. That's the most wonderful, blessed thing. If you love the Lord Jesus, you want to be in his presence. And the rebel in the storm is deliberately disobeying and he's fleeing God's presence, the main thing he needs. All right, secondly, chapter 2, we see the penitent in the sea. First thing I want to say is he is reclaimed by affliction. <coughs> when the Lord gets ready to reclaim you, you know what he's going to do? He's going to send some trials. Yeah. He's going to send some heartache. He's going to send some difficulty. That, something about that always makes you run back to him. No what it is, you're looking for deliverance. Verse 2, by reason of mine affliction, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. I was looking over some notes I had recently that said, and God heard them. And I had done a little study on all the different people that called out, and it says God heard them. Looky here. And thou heardest my voice. Sometimes God hears your voice when you're in the belly of hell because he knows it's a real sincere call then. Some of our prayers aren't all that sincere, aren't they? Verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Not when I was partying with my friends. Not when I got my promotion. Not when I got the popularity and, the, and a big amount of money. But 
when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. Why don't we remember Him when He's blessing? Sometimes our trials are way better for us yes. than our successes. Oh, buddy. That's very true. But let me give you a warning in case somebody's fixing to go into a real great time. <laughs> You're liable to forget Him. This is not my opinion. It's exactly what he told Israel. He said, now be care beware when you get into the land and you're eating of fruit trees that you planted not and living in houses that you builded not and drinking water out of wells that you digged not. Beware lest thou forget the Lord. Isn't that what he said? That's right. You know what's going to happen? You're going to hit a real fun time in your life. A real rich time in your life. A real popular time in your life. A time that you've been looking forward to. You're going to find your sweetheart or get your promotion or your team's going to win the championship. That's real important to some of us. I mean, you're, you're whatever. And it's right during those times you're thinking about everything else but God. But when his soul fainted in him, oh, then I remembered the Lord. Read your Bible every day and pray and keep him in front of you. Good times, bad times, and in the middle. Reclaimed by affliction. Many of us have heard stories of people who were away from the Lord and the Lord got one of their children and got their attention. Oh, me. What a thing. Psalm 119. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. What got him back? Affliction. All right, so he was reclaimed by affliction. The second thing I notice about this is he gives, the, he gives thanksgiving at this time. So here he is with all this power and freedom and money and able to travel abroad and do what he wants to do in chapter 1, and yet he's not obeying God. In chapter 2, he's facing what looks like certain death in the belly of a whale with those stomach acids all around him and seaweed wrapped all around him. And he gets all wanting to have thanksgiving then. Isn't that interesting? When the Lord starts calling you back, one of the ways you'll know it is all of a sudden you get counting your blessings. <laughs> all of a sudden when you were so bitter with all these blessings going on in your life, you weren't even thankful. And then when you're in the belly of the whale being burned up with stomach acids, oh, now you get thankful. How interesting. How interesting. I've said this before, and I'll say it many times, I'm sure, in the future. One of the reasons I think our country still stands as messed up and perverted as we are is that we still give thanks to God. Amen. There's a significant part of this country that still gives thanks to God. Amen. I think that's one of the last few rotten boards that we're standing on before we drop. Amen. I believe that too. Psalm 50. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Maybe, I, maybe somebody under the sound of my voice is about to hit a real hard time. Let me tell you what to do. Just go ahead and start right now. Giving God, God thanks for everything you can. Amen. It might be a health problem. It might be a financial problem. It might be a family problem. I don't know what it could be. But if you're starting to face something, Start giving thanks to God. That's, that's what it says in Psalm 50. Offer unto God thanksgiving and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Right in the same context. And that's the same context where Jonah has it. All of a sudden he gets all thankful and starts asking for some help. 
And the Lord shows up, doesn't he? Yes. He's reclaimed by affliction and a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Psalm 50, 23, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. You want to glorify God? Praise Him and thank Him. Psalm 69, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. You know how important the Old Testament sacrifices are and how the Lord spends chapters after chapters of saying kill them this way and cut them this way and pour the blood over here and do this and that. I mean, He spends chapters on that. That was a big deal to him. And yet he says Thanksgiving is more important than that. Amen. It pleases me more. And plus there were a lot of poor people that couldn't afford uh, a big old ox or bullock or something. It was a financial strain on them. Now for us here in America, we have so much money it's ridiculous. But I believe it pleases the Lord more if we're thankful than if we gave him $100,000 for those that could even afford to do something like that. What's God going to do with money? Yeah. You say, oh yeah, he, he takes money and uses it. Well, true, but God can supply it at any time He wants to. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and makes the streets of gold. I'm not trying to discourage anybody from giving. I don't have to worry about that here for our small number. I'm astounded at the giving here at Victory Baptist Church. It's not that I'm saying the giving isn't important. It's that I'm saying God Almighty can provide it Himself. You know what He loves? He loves when people are thankful to Him. Yes. Amen. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. Psalm 116, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all His people. Right to chapter 30. Chapter 1 was the rebel in the storm. Chapter 2, the penitent in the sea. Chapter 3, the preacher in the service. How did he preach? Well, he preached a negative message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There's no hope there. There's no compassion there. there I mean, it's nothing but you're getting it. <laughs> Whatever God tells you to preach, you preach it. Right. Amen. Good there is a time for tough love. Most of us preachers have had a time that the Lord had, was leading us to preach a certain message and due to circumstances, a certain person walked in, we decided we were going to change it to do something that really get them or really comfort them or really bless them or really help them. No, don't preach what you think people need. Preach what God Almighty tells you to preach. Amen. Now I'm sure Jonah took a little comfort at first. You want me to go preach at Nineveh and you know the law get right because I know your word works. And so when all the Lord told him to preach was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He got on board with that, buddy. That was exactly what he was wanting to tell them. So now he not only got to see that they were going to be overthrown, he got to look them in the eyes and tell them they were going to be yeah. overthrown. Boy, he was good with that. And then the sorry things all repented. <laughs> and God saved them. <laughs> Woo! Boy, that made Jonah so mad. He preached a fully negative message. You know, that's what Moses was told to take to Pharaoh. Yeah. Exodus 4.22 And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even my firstborn. Moses got a little scared and didn't exactly tell that until way later. Mm -hmm. He should have just said it right straight up front, shouldn't he? <laughs> and 
They had to go through all those plagues and all that trouble and the emotional up and down. You want to spare drama in your life? Just obey God completely the first time. Don't get me wrong. God's will ends up happening in the end. But he'll sure put you through the ringer until it does when you don't obey him. What, the great example of that, I think, in the whole Bible is Jacob. I mean, everything worked out for Jacob. The family all gets uh, saved from the, fa from the famine, and Joseph loves him and hugs him and takes care of him. And it, just, it all ends wonderful. But you know what his testimony was? Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. <laughs> you know why? Because he would do kind of what God said and pull back and try to scheme and do come up with some plan to make sure that it worked out just like the way he was. So just trust in God. He had no idea of that song, Trust and Obey. It had not been written yet. <laughs> and he was trying to control it himself. I've noticed in my own life, you know when I have peace? I have peace when I can completely control the situation and therefore I can make it come out the way I want it to. Or when I have no control over a situation, so there's no need to even try. With either of those two, I'm pretty peaceful. The ones that get me are the ones that I think I might can control some of it, and I'm trying to control, and it's kind of getting out of my way, and I, I, I almost can't. That's the ones that just wear me out. It is so hard for me in those times to just let go and let go. The ones I can control everything, praise the Lord. The ones I can't control anything, praise the Lord. It's out of my hands. Nothing I can do about that. Love it. I love those two situations. But that kind of, I might can influence it some, and I might talk them into this, and I, and I might can do about half of it. They uh, left-hand turns. You all know how I hate left-hand turns. Because now i got to think about if this guy is coming, and this guy is coming, and then the oncoming is coming. I, I, can't, I can't deal with that. I can't think that many thoughts. I've totaled a man trying to do a left-hand turn. <laughs> I just, that's too much for me. And so when I can't do that stuff, I just turn right, go down, find a place out in the country where I can turn around the radio track and come back that way. That's just, you, hey, UPS for decades hasn't let their drivers do left-hand turns. Okay, see there, I'm right. <laughs> but it's those things that you think you control, but you're not 100% sure of and all that. That right there is a lot of times what will get you. You're trying to control something, and you really know you can't completely, but you can a little bit, and you'll worry yourself all day long. He preached a negative message. You know what John the Baptist said? Repent. You know what Jesus said? Repent. You know what Paul preached? Repent. But God's Word brought revival. God's Word brought a revival when all he had done is said, Get 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Let me tell you what God will do. God will work through His Word. You know why we stick with the King James Bible here? Because God works through His Word. You know why we support preaching in any way that we can here? Because God works through His Word. You know why we hand out John and Romans? You know why we support missionaries? You know why we preach on the radio or in the nursing home or in the mission or wherever we can or on a street corner? Because God works through His Word. And if it's going to get done, it's going to get done through His Word. And if it doesn't get done through His Word, it's not going to get done any way in the world. So when Noah, uh, Jonah goes and preaches, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, because that's what God said to preach, that's exactly what happened. God's Word brought revival. The preacher himself neither wanted nor tried to reach them, did he? Isaiah 55. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Amen, Jonah. Jonah thought, well, let's just kill everybody in Nineveh. They deserve it. And they did. You know, I'm not denying for, you know, Bible-believing prophets often, their main thing is, I'm right. All right, Jonah, I'll give you that. You're right. Nineveh deserved whatever they got. If I, if I read history and understand it correctly, man, these was a bunch of terrorists and they deserved any punishment they got. They mutilated people and tortured people and killed people like I wouldn't even want to talk about in a mixed audience. But... God had a higher plan than Jonah had. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Word of God is what will do it. If it gets done at all, it will be done through the Word of God. All right, so that's the rebel in the storm, chapter 1, the penitent in the sea, chapter 2, the preacher in the service, chapter 3. Now let's look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, it says in verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Uh, first thing I notice here is uh, the prophet is lacking submission. You say, oh, wait a minute. No, brother, I just read it. In chapter 3, he went and preached the preaching that God told him to preach. He obeyed. I didn't say he didn't obey. I said he didn't submit. There's many a time I've obeyed and did exactly what the Lord said, and I didn't submit to him one bit. I was mad the whole time I did it. <laughs> That's the difference between obedience and submission. Every child, every woman, every man has obeyed when they did not submit. You know what we need to do? Submit to the will of God. Now, yes, part of that is obeying, but it means our heart is okay with doing what God tells us to do, not just our outward action. You've heard the illustration of a little kid that was told to sit down. He said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> and that's what a number of us have done with the Lord sometimes. So he did. He went and preached. But he went and preached with the understanding that God wasn't going to save those sorry things. The Lord had a lesson to teach him there. He obeyed, but he did not submit. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ said? The perfect example for us all. <coughs> Not my will, but thine be done. You want know the Apostle Paul said? He said, you're all telling me, that, and the Holy Ghost is bearing witness to it, that if I go, there are bonds and afflictions abiding me. You may say right after that, but none of these things move me. I am submitted to the will of God, and even if you think that he had it wrong there, and he might have, Paul was, Paul was human. But he was not only going to obey, but he was going to willingly submit to the Lord's will. And that was his understanding of what the Lord wanted him to do, even if it was incorrect. 
Paul said, none of these things moved me. He was lacking submission. Let me tell you, Christian, I'm talking to Bible-believing Baptists. I know who's under the sound of my voice for the most part. You can obey and go by a bunch of rules and never submit in your heart. Yes, amen. Now, I'm all for the rules. You know me. I preach the standards and I preach the rules and I do my best to take them right straight out of the Scripture. But what I can't do is teach your heart submission to those rules. And teach your heart submission, more importantly, to the God who gave those rules. That's 100% between you and God, and I can't, I can't get in there and fix that. That's just whether or not you choose to submit to God or not. I can tell you what the book says. I can tell you what the Lord's done for me. I can do my best. But it's between you and God whether you submit to it. How we do it. How we doing in our submission? So the pupil in the school, even though he was a powerful prophet and the Lord worked through him and he knew the word of God, he, he lacked submission. I'll tell you something else he was lacking. Look at verses 10 and 11. Chapter 4 here, verse 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. He said, Jonah, here you're feeling sorry for that gourd. That is one of the interesting things that happens in life. You'll get a little dog or a little cat, or in some cases a little lizard, I forget the names of them, but they look to me like a lizard. <laughs> I mean, I've known people that love their little lizard. <laughs> they had a different name for it. And when that thing died, they cried. That was their pet. <laughs> and hamsters and gerbils and dogs and cats and horses. It, I remember when we got the phone call that the horse, that the Robinettes, my daddy's mama's size name, had named Ted. I remember when they told us Ted died. <laughs> it was it, was, it wasn't quite like a family member dying, but it was a, it was a step in that direction. Mm -hmm. You know what we'll do? We'll get a bunch of compassion on an animal or a tree or something, a plant, and we won't have compassion on the eternal soul Amen. and the children that those people will influence. Here he said there's six score thousand that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. I don't know if that means as just being ignorant about some things or if it means that they was, you know, they were children and they didn't even know right versus left yet. I'm not sure exactly what all that means, but I know this. God says, what are you doing having compassion on a gourd that you've only known for one day and you don't have any compassion on these people that poor things have never had a chance? Yeah. Bible-believing Baptists, yeah. you've been under the pre teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Some of you for decades. There are people that we see on the news and there are people that we come across on the streets and those poor things don't look anything like you and they don't have any concept of life like you that they don't have what the, some of the psychologists call your world view. They don't know any Bible and the poor things never had a chance. And sometimes we get despising them and I've, I've been guilty of it. God help us to have some compassion. Yes. Everybody hadn't been surrounded by love the way some of us have. Everybody hadn't had teaching and preaching the way some of us have. Everybody hadn't had a relationship with the Lord Jesus since he was a little kid like most of us have. A bunch of people never had a chance. 
let's be careful. Let's be careful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not compromising on anything. To the best of my ability, I'm going to stay faithful all the way till I die. But I've had some blessings most people don't have. Martha, Miss Martha was reminding me of that a little bit this morning. At 53 years old, I still got my mom and my daddy. I still got aunts and uncles and cousins. I had grandparents till I was in my 40s. I had great-grandparents till I was in my 20s. I, I've been blessed. I've been surrounded by a bunch of people that love me. You know, a lot of people don't have that. I've got good friends. I've got good income from, you know, working things and God's people taking care of me. And Yeah, I've had some things go wrong. Sure have. But boy, I've had a bunch of things happen where there's a lot of people on planet Earth would sure love to trade places with Brother Bob. Amen. And a lot of people never had half of what I enjoy. God help us to look down and have compassion. And that's something he's been teaching me in recent days. No wonder Satan and his children hate this book of Jonah. They do everything they can. Say, ah, it's not possible. A fish can't swallow them, and a fish isn't a whale anyway, and you couldn't live if you were swallowed by a whale. And they give all those arguments, by the way, all of which are flawed and wrong, but they do everything they can to attack this book. You know why? Look at the lessons learned here. You can't hide from God. If that was the only lesson, it'd be worth it. But there's more. God's Word, not a clean vessel, accomplishes His work. Do you think Jonah was all clean right then when he's all mad at God? Why no? Number three, repentance on your part can win you deliverance from God. You know what Jonah had just learned? When he repented, God got him out of the fish's belly. You know what he did? He went to Nineveh, they repented and God saved them. Right. All God did was give them the same blessing he'd just given Jonah. Amen. But once in a while, we've been saved a long time and we forget just how dirty we are. Roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Just remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Number four, even God's prophets can have serious heart problems. You got the answers up in your head? How's your heart? God. The old hymn says, Have thy affections been nailed to the tree? Is thy heart right with God? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to read and study your word.